When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you as we join you from Goodyear, Arizona and Guardians Spring Training. And this is our final show from 2023 Guardians Spring Training out here in Goodyear as camp will break after the game in downtown Phoenix on Tuesday. The team will fly to Seattle and open up the 2023 regular season against the Mariners on Thursday night with a 10-10 first pitch. We'll be on the air with the Guardians warm-up show at 9.35. Great to be able to say that as uh, we are right around the corner now from the 2023 season. Good show lined up for you today. There was some news from camp yesterday, and we'll hear from manager Terry Francona about some player moves. Two new members of the bullpen will break camp with the ball club, and he'll fill us in on both Tim Heron and Hunter Gaddis, who have been informed that they have made the ball club. Also on our show today, we'll hear from Andres Jimenez and Tim Heron shortly after he was given the good news that he will make his major league debut at some point during that series against Seattle, maybe against Oakland and the way things work. But uh, he's on the ball club to break camp, and we'll hear his reaction to that great news. And we'll also visit with author Kirk McKnight, who has come out with a book called Voices of Baseball, the game's greatest broadcasters reflect on America's pastime. And it's an outstanding book in its third edition now with some great updates since the original edition came out back in 2015 and uh, includes some observations from our own Tom Hamilton about the 2016 World Series, specifically Game 7. So we'll hear from Kirk McKnight in our final segment. But uh, we'll step aside, take a timeout, and hear from Tito. That's after this break on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Baseball, basketball, pickleball. Those are sports, and people love sports. If you love sports, you should know this. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Does saving have anything to do with sports? No. The people love sports, so I'm yelling sports out. Hockey, swimming, golf. Not all sports have the word ball in there, so save big when you switch to Progressive. Go, sports teams. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now the 1-2 from Sampson. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball. Right center field. This one's carrying way back there. Home run, Jose Ramirez. He got it up in the jet stream, and it rode on out of here. Ramirez has hit his second home run on the spring, and the Guardians are on the board. Here's Josh Bell, and he swings, and he skies one. Right center field. This one's back there. Home run, Bell. This game's tied at two. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Goodyear, Arizona, and Guardians Spring Training. And don't forget, plenty of ways to listen to our show each week, including on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Usually the show hits at some point on Saturday in and around the Guardians game that's uh, that week. You can also hear it in podcast form wherever you download your favorite podcasts or at cleguardians.com. Well, yesterday some player moves for the Guardians as the roster continues to uh, take its final shape. Terry Francona met with the Cleveland media prior to the game last night against the Cubs and talked about some great news for Hunter Gaddis and Tim Heron, told they would make the ball club, and some difficult news for reliever Mike Kelly, who was informed that he would not be on the opening day roster. Here's Tito. Okay, so let's see. We, we talked to Michael Kelly today and reassigned him to the other side. And I, Michael actually had one, one outing that was kind of tough, but other than that, he was pretty good. And we told him there's a lot to like, and we're excited to kind of get him going. He's been going through his wife's, not to, wife's like six and a half months pregnant. She's had a tough time. So he's had a lot going on, but he's handled himself really well. And my guess is probably see him, and he'll help us. We informed Heron and Hunter Gaddis that barring something unforeseen, and we always tell guys that, but I don't think it's ever happened since I've been here, that they're going to be on the club. So, so two guys came in. It was fun. You know, the other ones get a little hard. And I told the position players, we're, we're trying to get there because I know they're starting to feel it. I get it. They're talking about the trucks being packed and where the cars are going, and guys want to know. So we're, we're working to it. With Gaddis, how do you feel he's going to balance the, well, the rotation and the bullpen? That's what we talked about. We're, we're going to – he's going to pitch in a minor league game tomorrow. We're going to try to get him out to about 65, 70 pitches. That will allow him to kind of get stretched out some, but also be available for when we start our season. 
and then we're going to try to strike a balance between developing him and Heron, keeping Gattis stretched out, and trying to win games. And told him it's kind of work in progress, but we'll, we'll all work together to see if we can accomplish that. So Heron came out all right. Yeah, he's fine. What does it say about him? And I know obviously Sam's banged up. What does it say when he did this camp? You know, he's, he did a good job. And we told him, we said, hey, you know, we wanted him to be excited about making it, but he's not the finished product. We recognize that. But the hope is, is that while he's developing, he can help us win and he can still develop. And that we'll do the best we can. Last year, very successful season. Uh, not a lot of national hype on this club. Is this team being slept on? Is what? Are you, do you think your club is being slept on by the national media? I have no idea. I wouldn't even begin to know how to answer that. It doesn't really matter. What matters is how we play baseball. I just don't have a good answer to that. I haven't seen the USA Today in a long time, so I really don't know. I don't. I don't. Doesn't that that doesn't enter into who we are, nor should it. I kind of heard you say last night after the game that everything kind of felt and went your guys' way a little bit early. You got everybody kind of a game where everybody felt good about themselves. What is the difference in? You mean last night? Yeah, last night. What uh, what is it? What are what do players feel right now when they're this close but still have these four or five games left? I know in the back, everybody's mind. Everybody wants to get out healthy. That's always I see Arch shaking his head. That's always the case. But you still have to play the game the way you're supposed to. But we'll try to balance getting guys at bats because that's the one luxury of spring training is you can control guys getting at bats. Um, you know. Until we have our final roster, though, that's why I'm trying. You know, trying to like to figure it out sooner rather than later, so we can get our team and spend the last three games getting them at bats, as opposed to trying to get too many guys and missing out. So we're trying to get there, uh, but you just want guys to feel good about themselves. Other than that, when that bell rings, man. Like, you could have the greatest spring in the world. You up to Seattle and Castillo stone going about 95. You know, so it's different. So that's why you just try to make sure you're prepared and then go play. That was a great game, though, to keep Last night, out of that was a, a – that was the – started out with home runs. No, that was – and we ran the we, – we could run the bases because we had a bunch of hits, but that was a really fun game to watch. I think as a starting pitcher, if you've had a couple of good years in the big leagues, what you do in spring training is almost irrelevant, as long as you're not feeling something weird. I agree with that. Where is Zach at right now, you think, this spring, as far as everything he went through last year? You know, that's a constant reminder. I know I hear Carl all the time trying to remind him, like, not to try to stay away from this. Because he's had a couple outings that have been, like, early on, it was four innings. It was, like, in 45 minutes. You know, it was, and then there was a couple that won over in Glendale wasn't so good. But it's like, let's try to stay more like this and not maybe want to make some tweaks for, for, for the wrong reasons. So it's a work in progress, but keep keep working. That's the good part is it'll keep working. Tito, what did you think of the tweaks to the rules that they made? I know 
I didn't one, really see any tweaks. Um, the one they said about, uh, I know you earlier in spring you were wondering about, you know, if the pitcher's got to back up third base or, you know, now they won't start the clock until he steps on the infield grass. Well, that's what they said before. That didn't change. That didn't change? Okay. No. I, was it the catchers when they hit? They won't start the clock. Are you going to bring your own bat boy on the road with you? <laughs> I didn't see any. I didn't see any changes. Oh, okay. But they were clarified. Yeah. I just didn't see any. I didn't see any tweaks. But maybe that's because I've been up on them. I don't know. But yeah. uh, I was watching the uh, Tigers and somebody down in Florida on TV, and I mean, it was like in one inning, I saw three different violations. It was like the poor hitter. Like I think he was. He was all discombobulated. Have you noticed any of your guys having any issues? We've had a else? couple, but not a ton. Like, the one that was hard was pitcher stepped off. I think it might have been Kershaw, but I might be wrong. Pitcher stepped off. He wasn't really allowed. So the hitter stepped out. So they banged the hitter. And I was like, what do you want him to do? But they're but, – so you're going to see maybe hopefully not too much of that, but I'm guessing from time to time you will. You've been through a month of it. Just what's your, for us to be able to convey, what's your I, – I think the hope was is that there would be a lot more comfort because that first week, man, there was a lot of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I've watched a game for 44 years one way. Yeah. Now all of a sudden – and you get pretty set in your ways. Now you're being asked to do some things differently. So, but I think, I think we're okay. I think the comfort will grow. And I know when the season starts, these things that don't really, they just maybe aggravate us now, they're going to, when the season starts. But I think you'll see less and less of it. I think guys are good at adjusting. Yeah, I think the replay is going to be, yeah, the replay is going to be really big. Like they told us, you know, when we were in Salt River that we could, what told us when we were in Salt River, we could practice it. But you can't use your replay guy. That's what I told The umpire came over and said, you can do this. I said, why? I said, so I go like this, so you guys have to run in and check. And then, but Barney can't be like told to hurry. I said, doesn't help us. That's the hard part too. Yeah. I think they want. I think they want less replay, and that's probably what's going to happen. They should. They get them wrong half the time. But that's what. <laughs> so do you. That was Arch. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I cleaned it. This is our podcast. We go back to that too. That's true. I think we'll see more stolen bases because you won't see as many. You know how close those plays are. Guys come off the base and things like that. You won't challenge those because you don't want to lose your right. Or you don't have time, time. To, for them to, to look really it up. look at it yeah. and, and define it. But we can play that. I think what will happen is early in the game you'll see some get by because you don't want to lose it that quick. Right. You want to take the chance. The one thing they did tweak, uh, it was uh, the infielder on the grass, if, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like if it's not hit to him, which that makes sense because I think they were worried that teams were just going to like, do a mass replay if somebody right. hit a triple yeah. or something. Yeah. One guy was on the grass yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, the shift thing, I, I went to the game with my family last night and kind of watched from the stands and see the shift. 
it's not that much of a difference because most of these shortstops are playing. It's that you part's I mean? not the difference. I, what it is is you not having those second basemen in short right. Right. There, you're going to see more sharp singles go through the hole, but you're also going to see that line drive. Like Hosey hit a ball yesterday to right that yes. last year was an out. Yeah, that's the one you'll see. Just even seeing third baseman hold over. I'm just in my mind. I'm going back to how it was before it got crazy, and it's kind of like we're. But I mean, we like yesterday. The third baseman was at shortstop. Right, right. Doesn't mean you can't shift. You just gotta. Giving up a lot of. It was different to see it that way. With all the difficult conversations that you have to have this time of year, how enjoyable does it make those fun ones when you are? Very. I tried to. Remind me and Carl were talking about that because I mean we feel an obligation to these guys to be respectful and to be organized and in some cases probably be sympathetic or you know whatever but like be organized enough to have a respectful answer ready for them when they but then when you're able to have a good one you better enjoy it because they're not as many so we did I'm just listening to Heron and Gaddis talk about calling their mom and dad it was like cool because that doesn't you know we don't get to do that as much as you'd like so it's pretty cool what get us do to kind of just impress you guys this, this he week? he came in ready to go he we had tried to get him to make some adjustments over the winter arm slot things like that did a good job with that just stuff was really good now i also thought that curry i I don't want to, you know, we sent him to AAA, but he did a pretty good job too. How hard is that when you think of those two guys trying to help their careers and help the team, you know, like? That's where we had a ton of anxiety. Like, you know, I mean, there's things to think about the roster, the roster, not just the first week of the season, but for six months, if we get rained out, first game in Cleveland, if we have a doubleheader the next day, need a starter, can't just have everybody be up there. So try to balance that. Is that where those last couple of roster decisions, it's not necessarily the best player, but how the 40 minute roster and what? You know, it's, so it's funny because I was bringing up something yesterday, I think, and I'm like, you know, if this was September 15th, I would probably say this is our best roster. I said on April or March 28th or whatever, I get it that we may not have the perfect roster. I, I understand it. We all want the best we can because you, but but there are other things to think about. You don't want a mortgage May, June, July, and August. For, so that's that's taken me a while to try to learn that, but I'm trying. That's Guardians manager Terry Francona with uh, some observations about the roster and also the rules changes and how they have taken shape this spring. Stay with us when we come back. We'll hear from Gold Glove second baseman Andre Jimenez as well as reliever Tim Heron, who got the good news that he's on the ball club to start the season, and also author Kirk McKnight. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Boy, what a summer it should be at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario.
Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Goodyear, Arizona, and Guardians Spring Training. Well, a player who has not been here for a good amount of time this spring is second baseman Andres Jimenez, but for good reason. He's been playing for Team Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic, which wrapped up earlier this week with that scintillating championship game between the United States and Japan, won by Japan and that great matchup of Shohei Otani, who struck out Mike Trout, his teammate with the Angels, to end the World Baseball Classic. Earlier in the Classic, Venezuela made a pretty good run. They gave some teams all they could handle, and a big part of their team was Andres Jimenez, the Gold Glove second baseman for the Guardians, who played shortstop for Venezuela and played it very well. We had a chance to visit with him earlier this week when he returned to the ball club, and he said that it was a great event, the World Baseball Classic. Um, really didn't matter which team you were on, and he was representing his home country of Venezuela in Miami. That's where his regional was, and he said it was just a tremendous experience. Yeah, for me, it was a great experience. Um, you know, the atmosphere over there and, you know, the fans cheering for, for you, for your country. I mean, it means a lot for me and my family, you know, just take that experience and your career, and, uh, you know, I'm really happy to, to be part of that. It seemed like Miami was the perfect site for Venezuela to play, and, and did that kind of add to it? Yeah, it feels like home game. Even when we were visiting, uh, the people were there cheering for us, and you know that that was a special moment. Like I said, for me and my family, you know, see all those flags on the on the stands. I think it was a very special moment. And the opportunity to I know here second base is your position, and, and you've been tremendous at it. Uh, the opportunity to play shortstop for them, based on players that you really enjoyed growing up, uh, what did that mean to you? No significa mucho para mí poner el nombre de Venezuela en el pecho y jugar las posiciones donde jugó mi ídolo, que fue Omar Vizquel, Alcide, toda esa gran leyenda que han vestido la camiseta, para mí fue un honor, la verdad. Y nada, súper orgulloso de, de haber representado al país. I mean, it was a great honor to, to put the, the jersey of, with my national team, the same jersey in the same position that some of my legends and my idols have played, like Vizquel, Alcide Escobar. So I think it was a great pride and a great um, sense of, like, um, happiness to be able to represent my country. And you mentioned some of the greats of the game. At, uh, was there anyone there that maybe you hadn't met yet that, that became a teammate for, you know, however long that, that your team was in it? Yeah, I think all the guys on the team, uh, first of all, Altuve, uh, Salvi, Migi, you know, I faced those guys on the division, but um, I couldn't be in the same clubhouse. So we were there and we really enjoyed it. They are really good leaders. For me, and I, I had the chance to, you know, know too many people there that I thought it was impossible. Uh, I met Biscayle over there, um, you know, Oscar de Leon. So too many great guys, Venezuelan legends. So I have the opportunity to meet them. Because of the timing, uh, how did that alter what you do in the off season to get ready for, for a season? Con la forma que llevó a cabo, cómo hizo alteró un poco tu preparación para una temporada normal. I don't think a lot. Um, I usually take like three weeks after the season ends. So I just, you know, take two and, you know, get ready quickly. Um, that was the, the key. Uh, I went to Venezuela to play a little a little bit. So I was kind of like ready. I prepared myself, prepared my body to, to do it, and I feel 100% now. And when you look at the intensity of those games, uh, you think a benefit once the, the season starts in about a week and a half? Yeah, of course. Um, over there, you know, you, you have the mentality that all the matters is win. 
So for me, come here, you know, we don't get the results that we want with the national team, but uh, come here with the same mentality that we were there. It's really important for me since day one. You mentioned the atmosphere. What's it going to be like when you go out on the field at a spring training game, basically <laughs> a practice game after the, the high intensity of that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, uh, because today is going to be my first game, so I can tell you tomorrow about it. But what, what I can say is just, the atmosphere over there was crazy, and I really enjoyed it, and he was really, really excited. That's Andre Jimenez with translation help, as always, from Augie Rivero, who, by the way, if you were tuned into the game Friday night against the Cubs, uh, the, the Guardians ran a little light on substitutes toward the end of that game. Augie was in the on-deck circle waiting to hit in the bottom half of the eighth inning. He needed one more successful base runner to come to the plate. It did not happen, but... Uh, he may have had a chance to take a, a plate appearance in a spring training game had things broken his way. That's how things were going late in the game, a 5-3 to three Cleveland win last night over Chicago. And one of the pitchers for Cleveland last night was Tim Heron, who earlier in the day learned that he would be making the major league roster and breaking camp with the big club for the first time in his career. We had a chance to catch up with him shortly after he received the good news, and he talked about what his day was like, starting with a visit from pitching coach Carl Willis. Yeah, so uh, I got here to the field around noon. Um, sitting in my locker, Carl came up and tapped me on the shoulder, just said, can you come meet with us in the office? So I was like, yeah, of course. And so I get in there, and um, we start talking, and Tito's saying how you know this is time of year. They have to make some tough decisions. Um, and so in my head, I know it could go both ways, whether they're sending me back down or I made the roster. And uh, he congratulated me and told me that um, they're excited to have me on the roster and help them win some games. So, yeah, I mean, it was a surreal feeling. I mean, I don't know if it's even really set in yet. You know, I've been dreaming about this for since I was like four years old. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So when Carl taps you on the shoulder, is, are there still things in your head that say, uh oh, I might be be going over to the I minor mean, league side for a little bit yeah so definitely that crossed my mind I know um especially like middle of spring training towards this time a lot of times when you go to the office it's not always a good thing um so like I said I knew it could have been one way or the other um I thought since it's just late in the in spring training I knew there's a chance and um definitely some nerves when I got in there but um yeah just Obviously, the, the end result here is tremendous for you. How about I'm thinking back to when you first reported, um, what were you hoping to accomplish here this spring? Uh, my biggest thing was just to go out there and compete, open some eyes, um, hopefully let them see that I, I am ready for that level. And whether it was to start the season or um, some point this uh, spring or summer, they wanted to call me up. But yeah, I just wanted to come here and com compete, um, try not to do too much, just be myself because I know in the offseason, they put me on the 40-man for a reason, and um, I just I knew um, coming in, just be myself and attack the hitters and do what I can to hopefully help the team win and make the roster. And everyone likes to get better as the spring goes along, and, and it seems like you have. What what maybe clicked in at a certain point that, that should every spring, but certainly an important one like yeah, this for you? Yeah, I think this being my first major league spring training, I think I put a little bit too much pressure on myself maybe early in spring training. Um, not that the outings were bad per se, but I think um, I was trying to go out there and be like a superhero or something rather than just being myself. Cause, um, 
but I think I settled in a little bit and kept attacking the strike zone. I think that was big, and part of the reason why I, I got the nod was I was filling up the zone. Um, I wasn't walking a lot of guys, so I, I know that Tito really likes that. Um, he doesn't want guys out there walking people, so that's my biggest thing, attack the strike zone and um, see how it goes. Tim Heron joining us. He was informed earlier today that he's made the ball club for opening day. And uh, we did this interview a lot last year. 17 players made their major league debut. Um, a reaction from teammates in there, including veterans. Anybody, um, you know, coming over and, and saying some things to you? Yeah, yeah. I've had a, I've had a quite a few guys already come up and um, congratulate me. I don't know if it's gotten around the whole locker room, but I've had guys that ask me like, "Hey, did they tell you like you made it?" I was like, "Yeah, they told me and they congratulated me." Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to be a part of this team. Like you said, having so many young guys debut last year and still being a pretty young team, it's, I'm excited to be a part of it and win some ball games. That's Tim Heron, a, a big left-hander who takes the place of another big left-hander, Sam Henches, who is coming back from a shoulder injury suffered early in camp. And so Heron will be that lefty out of the pen for the Guardians, at least in the early stages of the season. Stay tuned. We'll take a, a final timeout, then come back with our final segment after this on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Score. Pass. Out of bounds. Those are sports words. Some people hear any sports word and they can't help but listen. Like drive. Drive is another sports word. And drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. You might say those savings are on par with the best in the league. <laughs> you see, par is also a sports word, so I know you're still listening. And that's called covering our bases. Okay, I'm done now. But I'm serious about drivers saving big with Progressive. Now I'm really done. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Guardians Spring Training in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to have you with us as we bring you our final show from spring training here in 2023. As our, our next show will be next weekend. We are, we are in Seattle next weekend for the season opening series against the Mariners. The season beginning Thursday night with a 10-10 first pitch Eastern time against Seattle. Shane Bieber against Luis Castillo. What a pitching matchup on opening night. We conclude our show this week with a visit from Kirk McKnight, an author who has put together a book called The Voices of Baseball, the game's greatest broadcasters reflecting on America's pastime. This is the third edition, an updated edition from when it originally came out back in 2015. And Kirk says the extra work that he has done since the original book came out will be reflected and, and certainly enjoyed by fans as they dive into the voices of baseball. Well, it's basically since the book first came out in 2015, I've added about 50% more broadcasters. And a lot of the uh, demons I felt from the first release, I've been able to exercise with these second and third releases, especially this updated edition, getting people like Bob Costas and Bob Euchre and even the in you can say Indians. It's okay. We do it all the time. <laughs> Even the Guardian Zone, Tom Hamilton, and getting fresh perspectives on things that have happened since the book first came out because it's baseball's a historical sport and all kinds of things are happening. So all along the way, just plugging away and continuing to interview over the years, I've been able to, you know, get all those regrets and wash them away by getting some of the interviews that I never got the first time around and getting 
all this material from some of these Hall of Fame broadcasters who really bring the essence of the book alight with, with their thoughts and with their memories. Obviously, a, a lot of listeners to this show, huge fans of Hammy, uh, Tom Hamilton. And uh, when you had a chance to, to visit with him, anything come out that surprised you or, or something that maybe fans wouldn't know readily that, that's going to be in the book? Well, not necessarily for Cleveland fans, but for fans in general, uh, Tom mentioned something about broadcasting for the 2016 World Series versus the 97 World Series and the fact that it was two teams from two baseball towns instead of one team from a baseball town playing a team from a non-baseball town in Miami. And, you know, when the Marlins won the World Series in 97, that's not a baseball town by baseball standards. But Chicago and Cleveland, very much so. And so taking that into account and realizing how much history was between the two clubs as far as just their storied franchise history, it was great to get that perspective. And also it was great to hear from, you know, Tom discussing Game 7. You and I discussed a lot of things that happened at Progressive Field in the first time around when I released the first edition of the book. But, you know, the Cleveland hadn't been to the World Series yet. And two years later, here they are in the World Series after you and I had that interview. And now Tom's discussing Game 7 and Rajai Davis is – game-tying home run, and now it's the moment of the history of the park right there, that moment, and being able to put that in the book and having both sides of that Game 7 with Pat Hughes and the Chicago Cubs on the other side, it really, to me, it really inflated the book a lot and, and really added to it and its content. It's amazing to think that's seven years ago now. Uh, in terms of things that have, have happened since, what, what are some of the interesting things that, that you have been able to include that have happened since your first version came out and maybe even the second version? Well, uh, one for, uh, for sure would be the Field of Dreams game. And talking with Len Casper, who when I first did the book in the first edition was a broadcaster for the Cubs. Then he went over from the north side to the south side and now broadcast for the White Sox. So he was there for the Field of Dreams game. And he was the only real broadcaster radio-wise because Fox was covering the other side of it. I don't believe the Yankees radio broadcasters. Maybe they were there, but the Nash, it was like their national uh, team was there. But um, talking about driving down this private road and having people like on top of their houses waving at these buses, when else are you going to be in front of your house and see the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees team buses drive right past your front door and your lawn? So it was a special time to think about that and to think of how how like much of a throwback that must have been you know and that's what the the movie field of dreams was and and that's what that game was meant to be was a big throwback you know playing and the ball disappearing into the cornfield the corn sweat as i've been told about which is even worse than actual midwest humidity uh, it was an added sweat <laughs> from the humidity that we all know about living in the midwest or watching a game in the Midwest. So getting those kinds of perspectives was great. Um, another great addition was, hey, the San Diego Padres finally got a no-hitter. <laughs> and getting the perspective of Jesse Agler from the San Diego Padres, and he called that game not even – it took place in Globe Life Field in Texas, and he was calling that game as a radio broadcaster because, remember, in 2021, there were certain teams in certain areas that were not allowing radio uh, visiting broadcasters, radio or TV, to come. So Jesse and Tony Gwynn Jr. were calling this game from the visiting TV booth at their home park in Petco Park. So they're basically calling a game 
you know, that's taking place halfway across the country. So that was capturing the radio aspect for sure, because, I mean, that's really what radio broadcasting is all about, is painting that picture. You know, as, as far as anybody tuning in knows, it wouldn't have made any difference to them if they were at Globe Life Field or at Petco Park. It was a radio broadcast, and they were painting the picture. And then, of course, Vin Scully passed away in, in early August of 2022. I had actually turned the manuscript into the publisher on August 1st. He passes away on the 2nd. I reach out to the editor. I said, you're going to be editing a bunch of my other chapters. Let me put together some kind of tribute to Vin. I mean, this doesn't... This kind of thing happens once in a lifetime. I feel like there needs to be some kind of on it, homage, if you want to, for uh, Vin Scully. And so I immediately got to reaching out to the broadcasters, and I got 35 broadcasters to give their Vin stories. And it really became a huge part of the book. And I was not at all hesitant to cut out certain parts of the book that were in the first two editions to make way for this uh, Vin Scully tribute. Luckily, I didn't have to take out the Cleveland Municipal Stadium section of the uh, Ballparks of Yesterday chapter. So uh, Cleveland fans, don't really you didn't really get cheated on this one with, uh, with this Vince Scully tribute. Uh, some other ballparks of the past, maybe the fans might be a little upset, but as far as Cleveland goes, you guys definitely got to keep everything intact. Whew. I'm sure they will be pleased with that. The book is Voices of Baseball. The author has been joining us, Kirk McKnight. Kirk, tell them how they can pick it up. Well, you can find it anywhere online that books are sold. Uh, Amazon obviously has it. You can go through the publisher, Roman.com. That's Roman with a W. If you use coupon code RLFANDF30, you get 30% off the book by ordering through the publisher. But anywhere on, online where books are sold, you'll be able to find it. Will there be a fourth edition? I have to say that this is the ultimate edition. I know that I know that baseball is ever changing, and I kind of be contradicting a statement I made earlier in this interview. But I feel like I can't make this book more complete because a lot of the broadcasters that I've spoken to, you know, we got fresh blood, and and not to take away from them, but um, really to me, the the ballparks and the broadcasters of my youth are what comprise this book, and it'd be really hard to top this edition. Um, the only living Hall of Famer that's not featured in the book is is Al Michaels, and I'm working on that one. So you never know. <laughs> so you never know. Kirk, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck with it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's Kirk McKnight, the author of Voices of Baseball, the game's greatest broadcasters, reflecting on America's pastime. And Go ahead and pick that up on Amazon, and you'll be all set for the baseball season during some of that downtime. If you'd like to catch up on some reading, uh, some really good stuff from Kurt, and we thank him for coming by and joining us on the show this week. That's going to do it for Guardians Weekly. As always, thanks to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show each and every week. Until next time, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.